I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, a um, few million in the bank over the past few weeks. Yeah, um, something close to that. It's good, uh, as, good time as, to be alive. Yeah, as Jason said earlier, uh, I'm not doing these things because I need to be doing it, that's for sure. <laughs> nice. Uh, it was good. Like I, I'm a little bit sad that I missed out on the Victor Hovland win after kind of weeks of projecting that something was coming um i've obviously put him in two major championships but uh one major championship and two potentially going forward but like i didn't I, you know i said to you i was warming to him on the memorial show last week but didn't necessarily bet him or get to him as much as i should have done in DraftKings. but certainly lived up to his billing in the end yeah yeah he did he, he was unbelievable and i and i think and you agree with this um you know after the pga and going into this week that all that uh, you know, battle scar is just building up and building up and he was eventually going to win something big. It just felt like a couple of weeks after that, that one where he was so close and then he, he goes and gets his. And I always thought he was going to win those big non-major PGA Tour events. Uh, and, you know, he, he reeled one off and hopefully it's one of many. I was listening to something today with his uh, new swing coach. I don't know if you heard anything about that. Or uh, it's not really swing coach. I guess it's like a course management court, uh, coach, which I've always said he needed. And I don't think I was alone on that. Um, but I actually wrote a piece like a year and a half ago after the um, 2022 Masters. I wrote how his biggest weakness, everyone thinks it's chipping, but it isn't. It's actually his course management. And uh, and so the, the the coach said that they analyzed every one of his tournaments. And they said the, the PGA Tour average being short-sided was 15%. And he was short-sided on 29% of his chip shots. Hmm. So he's just managing the course incredibly poorly. Yeah, it would make sense because there hasn't been any great improvements in his uh, chipping, like technique-wise. I think Travis Fulton kind of unpacked it a little bit uh, earlier today where he was sort of saying he's kind of applying the same swing now as he does with his irons to, to his chipping and just obviously shorting it. And maybe that's helping him a little bit. But, yeah, it certainly makes more sense. There's his course management. And, you know, these little things can can make big changes, right? And ultimately, just he just looks a better player. Just overall looks a better player. He, I trust him in contention. Um, I don't think his chipping has really ever been, you know, you, you see the horrible highlights, but I think also he's always lost a lot of strokes around the green because he just missed so few greens that when he does, he's severely punished if he doesn't get up and down. So um, in terms of numbers. So, I, yeah, I, I probably trust him to go forward now and, I still think he potentially consensus on these last two majors. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I suppose I suppose we can't we can't go on without mentioning this very briefly. Um, but the news has come in of the you know, new merger uh, between Liv, the DP World Tour, and the PGA Tour. We don't know exactly what that entails just yet. It looks like there's going to be one company ruling golf, which is going to be injected by uh, Saudi money and potentially controlled by the PJ Tour for the time being. Um, who knows what that actually means in, in a year's time. Um, I don't think that Jay Monaghan knows what that means and whether he'll even be in the job by the time he knows what it means. So that there's lots to unpack and, and that deserves its own show. But do you think that's going to have any knock-on effect, Matt, to the Canadian Open this week? Because there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be, you know, really kind of blindsided, upset, Rory, not really focusing maybe on the golf as, as they should be. Did that happen today? I don't really, uh, I don't really focus on that stuff. I don't know much about it, but 
in terms, it, it, that's another thing we talk about all the time um, with those those type of factors where like if you really don't know, you can't put it on certain people and not on others. So you just have to pretend either, you know, it doesn't affect anyone or it affects everyone. It's hard to pick and choose certain ones. I, I know Rory maybe is the obvious one. Um, I, th- I think I think you've got to look at Rory Fitz as the two biggest anti-live guys as, as potential yeah. people that are going to be affected. I, I still feel very comfortable on the people that I was backing anyway because they had no impact. I was never going to. So, Roy, I did like the look at Fitz, and we can maybe come into that now uh, as we look at the players. But, yeah, I would say that the Rory and Fitz are the two biggest uh, people affected, I would say, based on historical uh, things. And then I guess you've got the people that, that have played in the US Open qualifiers and things like that. So there's plenty to unpack this week. I actually just feel a little bit sorry for the Canadian Open, which looked like it could be a really good event uh, the week before the US Open. has kind of been bombarded by the news story today. Yeah, it was kind of a strange event. Um, I don't know if Roy would even have been there if he's not even the defending champion. Uh, it just, I, I, not, I can't say I was looking all that forward to it because I'm having a tough time. You got a new course, you got a weaker field. Um, so, I, you know, I, I'm definitely struggling a little bit with the board this week, but hey, it is what it is. It's a hard betting week, but I think it's actually quite a fun one to unpack with drafting. So let's get into it. We haven't got a huge amount of time tonight. Um, so Rory McIlroy is, is the 11th to uh, 11,500 uh, highest price golfer, followed by Sam Burns at 10.5, Tyrrell Hassan 10.2, um, and that's the three players above 10. Are you going to any of the three, all three in some capacity, or two of the three? One of the three I'm going to be going to. Uh, I'm going to be playing Burns. Uh, he's the lowest owned of the three by far, I would imagine. Um, Rory, I would be fading regardless of this live news. I was fading going into the week, no interest anyway. Uh, I just think um, his game's off right now. And I think he battled for three rounds yesterday, uh, last week. But in the end, his game just really isn't the greatest of form. I think there's going to be a, a wedge fest and his wedges are absolutely awful right now. So I don't think I don't know how you can back him. I know he's won a couple in a row. I don't know how relevant that is to this actual event. And then Hatton, I think, is going to be the overwhelming favorite in terms of ownership in this spot. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I didn't like Rory coming in uh, based on not even so much the wedges, because I think he can just turn that on at some point. But like, I, I just think that the mental space wasn't there. I think we might be finding out why. Like, maybe he got this news two or three weeks ago and has been pretty disappointed with it ever since. Would probably be an understatement. But looking at Sam Burns, like he's just this guy that wins on these kind of shorter wedge fest tracks, right? Like two wins at the Valspar. He's uh, got the win. Um, at the match play as well. Colonial, relatively short testing thing. Felix St. Judy was second. So, you know, Byron Nelson, Birdie Fest, second there. He's done everything in those sort of events. And then to add to all that, he was fourth in this event last year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's he's my big bet of the week. Um, I've gone in pretty heavy on him. Just And I, I never bet Burns ever. I never played Burns ever. But You, I just, think you don't like Burns at all? Which no, is, I don't like him. Uh, so it's a... It's a that kind of sort of suggests to me that we should be backing him. Like if people, and you're not the first person I've heard this week that sort of said to, to go with him. So I do like it. You were kind of in my DMs yesterday saying like, should we be betting him? And and I'm very positive on Hatton. Like I don't think Hatton can continue playing as well as he has without getting a win. And I think this kind of birdie fest suits him with the with a lower quality field. I think it's even better when Rory potentially is going to be, might even withdraw at this point. Um, so I, I actually think that, uh, both of those guys should be used, and I, and I wouldn't mind starting them, uh, both of them, Burns and Hatton. I know it's kind of chalky, and I know it's kind of hard to do, but there is probably ways we can do it. I think um, it's definitely possible because there's such a steep drop-off. 
from that mid tier to the bottom tier? Like, is not is there really big of a difference between seventy eight hundred and sixty eight hundred this week? Probably not. No, and it like I don't think you want anyone in those kind of like low seven k ranges anyway. So it's it's a really tough kind of way to it's going to be a tough construction whatever you do. So you might as well try and take the two best players if you can. Um, I guess the other thing is, would you take fits over one of those to try and save yourself kind of a minimum of three hundred dollars? Uh no, I will not. Just looking, Fitz is not incredibly popular. Connors and Rose and Fleetwood are going to be the guys who everyone everyone are really playing here. I noticed you like Sahith Thagala as well. You spoke to me a little bit about him. I'm slightly worried he's gone off the boil a little bit, and I just feel like he needs that kind of more open golf course. But there's certainly positives on him. Yeah, I, I definitely worry about that as well. I just liked, you know, I look at the, looking at the numbers. I thought him at 30 was a little better than than guys who don't necessarily win all that much in the at 20 um but he looks to be relatively unpopular because of his price he is pretty expensive but for me it's like he's done great at short courses and even a place like travelers which um is a place where you know shorter hitters always contend uh you get the reviews of the world and the the players who play well there and he he played well there he played well at rsm um, so I think he's been better on shorter courses and maybe that's because he doesn't feel like he has to hit driver 325 to, you know, and that's what makes him lose accuracy. So, so I could see him maybe clubbing down. Um, he's still, even though he's been struggling recently, he's still, uh, I think he's fourth and birdie or better over his last 24 rounds. So he still makes the birdies, yeah. uh, which, which you need here. Right. I do think it can get himself into trouble this week, but to your point, like Travelers is a great sign because there's a kind of that mix of bent grass and power on the on the greens as well, which is obviously a beneficial uh, thing to have. I liked Kucha, but I don't think I can do it at 9-1 when you've got kind of Degala there at 9-2 when you can just pay up and get kind of... Like, I don't think... You, you can't really... I can't really advocate for playing Burns and Kucha and trying to sort of save myself some guys in the 7Ks when really I could just drop down into the 6Ks, like you said, and just play the, the Hassans and the Burn uh, mix. Yeah, yeah. I like... I mean... I agree with that completely. I guess if I was going to play, I really wanted to play Benny Ann, so it's good job he's probably out. That probably saved me some money based on betting and drafting. I bet him the second odds draft. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it probably saves me money because I don't think he was going to make uh, get the win. Yeah. But um, I don't love the Canadians here. I don't love Hadwin or Svensson. I think Baronk would be the play, but I'm guessing he's going to be popular at 86. As of now, it's not looking like he's all that popular. Um Eric Cole, for whatever reason, is generating a lot. I know he's high sevens. Um, Keith Mitchell. I mean, it seems like that's the thing, too. Like, we talked about jamming two of those guys in. It does seem like that's what most people are going to be doing. It, yeah. It seems like it's kind of a dead range here where no one really wants to play these guys. Cooch, I like. He's he's too expensive, which I think is a good thing. Um, he's been really great in, in these Canadian Opens. Uh, he struggled. He shot like an 86 on Sunday. Um, but I think you can overlook that. He's been playing pretty well before that. Um, I kind of like him for a play. I, I don't think he can win, but I think he can finish in the top 10. Yeah, so I was saying about him. And I just, I think that you could, I was saying that I didn't really want to put like Burns and Cooch or Hassan and Cooch, but I'm guessing the ownership suggests that you can do that and get, you know, and be a benefit to that. That maybe is a way to play some thumb lineups. So you've got kind of like, you know, because Michael Kim, I'm guessing, is going to be popular at 8K and we both like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. I like him a lot. Um, I'm going to be playing some Ludwig. Uh, he's a little bit too expensive too. Um, I I bet him, and you know I had to write him up at whatever 61 or whatever he was. I I bet it right when they dropped on FanDuel at 100 to one in the morning. Um, but we saw last week with Rose Zhang, you can win in your first professional event uh, and 
and uh, really small sample size. He hasn't played too much on the PGA Tour, but when he has, he's has gained 4.6 um, strokes on the field from 100 to 125 yards. So he's, he seems to be a really good wedge player. Uh, and I just I think a Canadian Open might be like kind of a, a nice not non pressure start for somebody uh, somebody like him. And I think he can make some birdies. So he was also like right in the mix at Bay Hill before yeah. the final round. So. Um, you know, all all we've seen from him is make two cuts in Bay Hill and Valspar. So, yeah, I, I think the the bet is gone on him, like the the odds wise, because everyone is yeah. just kind of looking at that Rosane thing, and he's not that yet. But um, who knows? Eric Cole, I understand why people like him, but I'm not going to get to him. He's just come off that uh, U.S. Open qualifier. He's been playing a lot of golf. Um, if he does it, then so be it. I'll get beat by Eric Cole. It doesn't really bother me too yeah. much. Um, I kind of got drawn to Brendan Todd who is struggling, but I just feel like he's going to, at some point, just turn it around. Is he injured? Why did he withdraw? He withdrew. Yeah, like, is he injured? But He was a million over when he withdrew, too, like, on the day. Yeah. So I'm, I'd be worried about that at that price. It's, it's, uh, and and I, I tried playing him, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, um, that we liked him a lot, and I think I, he... I played uh, him at Clarendon when he was awful. Yeah, me too, and he yeah, it didn't work out well. Uh, I, I'm just... This, I feel like there's something going on, and I just feel like the the reward is not worth the risk. So I know you like Michael Thorbjornsson. That's something that, you, that you've been on in the past. Um, is that just purely based on talent upside for now, not necessarily anything about this course in general? Well, a couple of things I like about it. Um, so talent upside, I, th- I think he's he's going to be unbelievable. No one's going to own him because he's too expensive. Um, you know, it, he shouldn't be in the same price as these guys, even though talent-wise he's he's incredible. The things that I do like is he was um, finished fourth at the Travelers, right? You get the same green types. And I think it's not a bad comp for this place, too. Um, and he just obviously um, won that qualifying for the U.S. Open. So he's playing really well. He was right. He That was right in Canada and uh, Toronto, I think. Um, and he you know qualified there. So he's playing some really good golf. Just named an All-American last week. And he's had a really hot month, too. He won the uh, Pac-12 championship. He's just, just playing really great golf. Um, in terms of winning, I know it would be tough to do. It would be the first amateur to win since Phil did it in 1991. But I just think he's a really, really special talent, low ownership. Um, I'm going to give it a, give it a try. Yeah, my, my three in here were Lee Hodges, uh, David Lipsky, and Matt Hughes. Like I think, I think for me, Lee Hodges is playing definitely some of the best golf of his career, but he's, he's certain show, sort of showing signs that he can mix it in better fields. And when you do that and drop down into these kind of fields, I think that's only a benefit. I think that the the mid range of the, the betting board, if you like, the 40 and 50 to ones, I wasn't really interested in. So as soon as I got to kind of, um, you know, taking Cyril at the top and, and backing Michael Kim at 80s, it was then a case of going into these 100 to one ranges. And to me, look, he's been 48, 43rd, 8th, and 6th in strokes going approach, and 27th, 13th, and 13th in T to green. And the results have been 55th at the PGA, 29th at the Charles Shop, and 12th at Memorial. So add that to his sit for the Valero the week before the Masters. And I think that, you know, he's, he's in great form. So when a lot of the field are going to have, you know, have their attention on the US Open, not just the guys at the top of these guys that qualified during this week as well, um, I think he could just be of real benefit here. And, you know, he was fifth after two rounds in this event last year as well. And I just think he's better um, positioned to take advantage of that this time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Vincent Norman, I was looking at, he's going to be pretty popular, but, um, he's another guy who's not the best putter. I think I think people might be getting a bit carried away on Norman. 
Yeah, I get I get asked about him quite a lot, and you know it's because he's come from the DP World Tour very briefly, and he is playing well. Look, he's got, you know 16th in Corrales, 18th in Mexico, 8th in Byron Nelson, but when he gets into slightly better fields, 48th at Colonial, 50 uh, 88th he missed the cut at the Valero, like it's it's disappointing. Valspar he missed the cut, and I think this is kind of similar. So it's kind of shorter test, so I'd be a bit concerned about him. So that's why I was looking at like Lipsky's of this world. Like, he, what is he doing wrong? Like, 12th at the Memorial last week, which is actually a benefit considering it's a, a longer course. 16th for the Charles Schwab, um, 36th for the Valspar, 4th at the Sony Open earlier in the year. He's playing some good golf right now, Lipsky. Yeah, no, he is. He is playing good. Um, I don't know if this is the Aaron Rye effect, but it, it does seem like he maybe plays at courses that we uh, think he's not going to play well at at times. Yeah. So 25th, 26th, and 18th, his last three made cuts in strokes can approach, though, which is really what I want to see from him. Like, he, he's gaining with his irons, and that's all I can really ask from, from Lipsky. I, I do get your point that he doesn't seem to turn up where we expect that he should. Um, but I guess I can't just keep letting that put me off people. He missed the cut in this event last year, but it was like 71, 71. It wasn't anything too dramatic. So I think now he's playing a little bit better. I'm going to be in on Lipsky, and directly below is Mackenzie Hughes, who I actually think he's probably the most solid Canadian of them all. Apart from maybe Connors. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know if he has that pressure. I think he probably does. Um, I don't know. I, I do like, I'm probably going to be avoiding all Canadians, but I think course fit wise, he probably makes the most sense. I think, I think with Hughes, like, it's not like a Mike Weir who's a major winner that's pressured to win the Canadian Open. It's not like Corey Connors who's the best Canadian player that's pressured to win the Canadian Open. Like, if it's himself in the mix, it's probably just as much pressure as he'd feel at any other tournament. So, um, and we know he can handle that. So if he gets in the mix, I, I trust him to do well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, guy, the guy that I'm playing down here is Ches Reeve at 7,100. I just have a strong gut feeling about him. I bet him to win at um, 180 to 1. I saw him up uh, a couple of places at 250 to 1, which I think is a really good bet. I I don't know. Could he suck? Yeah, I'm sure. But he won He won a Canadian Open. It was a long time ago back at um, in 2008 uh, So at Glen Abbey. So... I don't know, maybe the course is nothing like this course, but um, I like that. I also like that the Travelers comp, I talked about that, the green types, that he he's won the Travelers. And when he's on, and he didn't play great last week, but making the cut at Memorial and, and hanging around, I think is a good sign for him. Uh, really short course. He's always been excellent on really short courses. Short courses, great iron player. I think if you can dial in those eight, nine irons, those wedges, I can just picture him, just like he did at Travelers, just hitting everything to two feet. Yeah, absolutely. I think kind of like Ben Martin's Mark Hubbard's fit into that category as well. Um, I think it's Dan's personal preference whether people are going to play them or not. I think they're pretty fairly priced in the seven threes. Um, and I feel like I'm going to fall into casting Young and Trap again. The last time this happened, he was like minimum value and, and missed the cut for us at Wells Fargo, but he's been 14th and 21st since. I don't know if you can do it. 16% um, looking at right now. He's the by far the highest owned guy anywhere near this range and I don't. I just seem. It just smells like a trap to me. What about Dylan Moore at seven? Yeah, uh, he's he's the other popular guy, the second yeah, popular okay. guy. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I I I can see it. I guess I don't know. I'll probably just play Sneds because I'm a lunatic. Well, I t- I'll tell you the two people that are not going to be popular is Aaron Cockerell, who is coming over from the DP World Tour, who is Canadian, but he's actually put in some really solid efforts. Uh, 53rd, 13th, second, 21st, 16th, and 10th on the DP World Tour. And he made the cut in this event last year, finishing 48th. Uh, he's not he's not the best player by any means, but he's definitely serviceable. And I also wrote up Snedeker yesterday on Oshdecker. His his form in Canada is utterly ridiculous. Um, wow. 
7th, 5th, 34th, 1st, 25th, 5th, 8th, 4th, 48th. And I was just really encouraged with Snedeker that he actually gained a decent amount on approach last week. His approach mm-hmm. in tee screen game was pretty good on a long golf course, and it was his putting that let him down, which has actually let him down for the last couple of years, despite it being the hallmark of his career. Uh, I guess it's his sternum injury. I'm not going to get too carried away on him because he has been out for so long, and it does feel a little bit sort of trappy at 7K, but I think he's overpriced compared to where people want to play him. Yeah, I'm going to play him. I don't know. I don't care. I like Snet. I like his, like you said, his Canada history is excellent. Um, Birdie Machine loves easy courses. I think, um, yeah, why not? I mean, he, he seems like he came out of the gates pretty hot last week. He must have taken enough time to, to where he felt actually 100%. Um, and the surgery that he got seemed to have, you know, made a difference. So but it was like experimental or something, which, which just never sounds great, does it? Um, Sam Bennett's down here, the the Masters low amateur, 6900. I'm guessing he's going to be a little bit popular after. Did he did he win a US Open qualifier? I don't I don't know. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> That's not like you to be contrarian about people. Um, <laughs> this no, it's so slow. He is slow. Uh, then I was looking down here, so I think I've sent some chatter about Doc Redman. I don't know if that's going to translate into DFS ownership, but there's been some been some talk about him being bet over here, which was uh, well, talking about him. But Ben Coley's on him. Uh, a couple of other people are betting him over on this side of the pond. Um, so I think it's his approach play. He led uh, last time out with his irons, so uh, I think there's a little bit of that to it and sort of the correlating courses. But I'm not going there. But if that translates, then we can probably avoid him in terms of ownership. What about Seung Yul No? Are we doing this experiment again at 6,800? I don't know. I mean, do you have any reason why we should? Just playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he had some sneaky. I know he's he was around. No, I, I haven't done enough digging into Seung Yul No since the last time I bet him at like 6,200 and convinced myself he was going to win. Um, I mean, the Canadian Open, he's been 15th, 23rd, and 36th. 35th. Okay. 35th last year on the course that is similar to this one. Is he playing well? I'm pretty sure he's playing hot, pretty horribly. I mean, no, he's, 29th for the Puerto Rico, 30th for the Corrales, 46th for the Mexico Open. Made the cut to Byron Nelson. There's just so much red on his page, I can barely even see the see the letters. Yes. Um, red, red for Canada. Yeah, <laughs> just losing strokes on approach every week. Um, losing strokes tee to green every week, besides Mexico. So I don't know. That's what I, we want, though. They, these sneaky guys that people just not going to—they're not going to appear in the bottle and can actually play some good stuff. I think sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. What about no, Sean O'Hare. Sean O'Hare. Okay. Yeah, you, last time you said him, he played well. Sixty-seven hundred. Uh, nineteenth for the Seventh was at the Zero Classic, but twenty-nine for the Corrales. Fiftieth last uh, last time out the Byron Nelson gained an approach. I think he can do it. He's another one. He's won the Canadian Open in the past. Yeah, that makes sense. Third, third, first, tenth is his best best finishes in this event. I mean, he's not the player he was when he was going first, third, but third, third, first, and tenth. But he's 6,700 for a reason. Yeah, gained 4.1 in the approach at uh, Byron Nelson. It's pretty good. How old is he? I bet he's not as old as we think he is. Like, he's just been around forever. Like, I bet he's, like, 42 or something. Oh, he's only 40, you're right. There you go. Um, yeah, yeah, he he's makes a lot of sense. Spring chicken. He's old in the future, too. He does. He's had a hard life, I think. Yeah, and then, could have. And then the other one I like to look of, and this is based on kind of Canadian Open history, 
uh, was Austin Cook at 6,500. Because I do think I do think you're going to have to go with some of these because of what we talked about earlier with the the two big player approach. But he's been seventh, missed cut, thirteenth in three Canadian Open starts. Yeah, was good good at Corrales. Uh, he's been I mean, he's been pretty average apart from that. Um, I mean, average is nice. He's been terrible. Like he made a third, he finished thirty ninth in the Mexico Open, and then he's missed every other cut. But I, I just figure out this this could be a golf horse that suits him. Even some of those like weaker events that he plays sometimes you need to be a better driver of the golf ball than he is um but when you look earlier in the season 27th at the Mycova, 27th at the houston open 36th for the amex 53rd tory Pines was surprising 13th for corrales 39th mexico pretty impressive yeah, yeah absolutely um let's see I'll, I'll be playing some austin cook at 65 yeah i like it michael block how about him yeah you can you can play him if you like <laughs> he, he's brought golf together someone tweeted earlier which uh, but he, he only lost 10 he only lost 12 strokes to the green at charles schwab so if you if he could have, if rory could have hit his wedges last week he'd have been all right wouldn't he but yeah yes <laughs> um i was gonna say I, brian stewart but no he's been playing all 6100 doesn't he pop in all those kind of like short approach numbers he does he does yeah like that that's why people are going to look at him i think but i mean i don't think people are going to be like 0.2 percent owned but like i think that's why the people that were on the, amongst the 0.2 percent are going to play it's because of those short approaches yeah is there anyone else that we can have any faith in down here what's west brian been doing at 6k i know he i know he missed the us open qualifying by one shot it's not bad um canadians even played in canadian open missed the cut last year Callum Tarrant, 6,700, just on talent yeah. upside in this area. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. What about uh, Kevin Roy? Kendall Roy from Succession. Kendall Roy, yeah. Uh, no. Okay. He, Yeah, he's, he's playing all right, 18th in Mexico. Um, I think you just maybe just, I don't know, close your eyes and pick somebody. I think with people like Kevin Roy, like I, I'm backing enough losers in here. I don't need a guy that keeps frittering between the PJ and the KFT. Um, so Lucas Glover, yeah, he he didn't even miss like a two inch part or something to miss the US Open. <laughs> yeah, he gained he's gained strokes and approach in six straight events. It's putting absolutely horrifically, like insanely bad. But but that's actually like bad. Lucas Glover's career, isn't it? Like as long as he's hitting the irons and he's playing what he used to before. Um, I think he's done pretty well in this event in the past as well. Uh, Nope, I made that up. He's been 40 with miscut, miscut. He's better on easy courses too. Uh, I'd probably take a shot on him over these some other un- more unknown guys. I think that's probably it, Matt. Like I don't like with with the kind of landscapes of what the tournament's going to be this week, with with the way the the field is planning out. Um, I, I just don't see how. I think people are going to have to click the people they like down here at 62, 6300, and no one's going to agree on them. I don't think like they're. they're they're terrible. Like, just play you guys, and that's the best advice I can give you. I mean, I'm not going to tell you why Brian Gay can play well at the Canadian Open because he can't. So, I think you've right. got to figure out how to avoid. I think there's 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 a couple of plays that we've given at the 67, 6800 range. I think you can be smart with, and maybe you can do something. Kramer Hickok 6700, another one maybe. But like, I, I like Sean O'Hare at 67. I like uh, Austin Cook at 65, and I think. That's probably it. Song Yon Noel's interesting, but 
Otherwise, the sixes just look scary. Yeah, I'm going to play Glover. I talk myself into it. And then we're going to pay out for Brant Snedeker in 2023. Yes. I like it. Good. Right. Kucher, Snedeker, and Glover. Imagine if that was, imagine if that was, imagine if it was Kucher, Snedeker, Reeve, and. Oh, Reeve too. Yeah. What a, and Glover. What a field that would be. Oh, we didn't even mention I won a GPP last week. This is a DraftKings show. Yeah, can't mention these things. You can't, you can't, you can't have all enough time while you want a GPP. So that was the the, the PME, right? Yeah, I won the PME. That was great. Um, first place, nice 5K to first. That was cool. And I actually had three Asians in the lineup, which I didn't even realize until the end. I thought that was pretty cool too. There you go. So that what was that? Benny Ann, Benny Ann, um, Siwoo, Matsuyama, and Siwoo. Yeah, so that was basically the guys that we kind of talked up last week, right? Like the yeah. we, I think the discussion we had last week was a pretty good one in the end, and it should have really even been better. Like Cantley should have been better, um, Fowler should have been better, uh, you know. So your winning lineup was what? Hovland, Matsuyama, Lowry, Scott, Kim, and yep, that yeah, was pretty good. Like, and, and I'm I mean, surprised. Like Lowry would have been the one that I was the most dubious about on that group, and he did pretty well in the end. I mean, yeah, and obviously our our show was good. I my process is after we we're done with the show, I hang up, then go build my lineup, so it's all fresh in my mind. So, I mean, we definitely were talking about some good stuff if that's what I lineup I put in that won the whole thing. I don't think I don't feel like we're given the same level of advice for the Canadian Open this week, um, but we could be right. Like I I don't know that I don't think I think you could listen to a hundred shows this week, and you're not going to get the secret ingredient. There's going to be an yeah. element of luck for an event like this, I think. Yeah, well, if Chaz Reeve wins, then looks we look great. So that's... If, if Brian Seneca wins, then we're the best DraftKings podcast in the world. We already are, but we'd, it'd, yeah, it'd, I mean, yeah, we'd, uh, we'd extend our lead. Yeah, I mean, I would actually put it in a testimonial. Like, that's the sort of thing I would do. Um, right, let's summarize our favorite picks. So above 10K, you're going with Burns at 10.5. I'm going to go with Hassan at 10.2. Is that about right? Yes. 9K, you taking Figala at 9.2? Yep. I'll take Rose at 9.7 and just eat the chalk. Uh, in the 8K range, Michael Kim, I think, for both of us, but Lou Aberg for you and Moronk for me, I would say. Yeah, I'm going to go Aberg. I think he's the uh, best European prospect since John Rahm. There you go. That's, that's a bold claim. Um, 7K range, let's have a couple from here. So I'm going to go with Lee Hodges and Brent Seneca. I'm going to go with my fellow Massachusetts native, uh, Michael Thor Bjornsson. And at the top and then at the bottom, I do like Seneca as well, but I will go with Ches Reeve at 7,100. Yeah, I like that. I also think Aaron Cockrell is definitely worth a play, uh, given the form he's in. 6K, this is brutal, but I'm, I'm going to wrap through with Song Yun Nol at 6,800, Sean O'Hare at 6,700, and Austin Cook at 6,500. Yeah, I'm going to go um, Lucas Glover. If he just makes half of his two-inch putts, he he'll, should have at least five of them. Yeah, hopefully. It's, uh, I don't know, Matt. What an event, eh? Like, it's only got worse this field as the week's gone on. Uh, we've got the big one again next week. Programming note, when are we planning on doing the US Open next week, Matt? Um, I like doing them on, su- on Sunday. Yeah, but- so if we can do that, I'd like that. Let's shoot for Sunday. Let's hope that we can do Sunday. That's nice to do. It's good to get out early, uh, get some early opinions in, even before the ownership comes out, and then you can kind of tailor what we've said later on when the predictions come out. Matt, 
well done last week. Good week for you. Good week for Dr. Hovland. Uh, we've got the US Open to look forward to next week. We've got all the drama to unpack this week in various different platforms and forms, I guess. Um, and here's to another good week. <laughs>